Sorry, Cup, and welcome to another episode here for the Funkit Pod and Mindful Media and Communication. As you can see again from the title, because of course you're listening or you're checking the title before listening, and of course we're talking about media communication and relationships. Might be a bit complicated, might be easier than we think. We'll figure it out. If you think you're hearing some background noise, that is true. That's one part of my complicated relationship. That's my cat, Snooze, just scratching the sofa while I'm recording. Snooze, you know you're not supposed to do a, you're chasing something under the sofa. That is fine. Okay, complicated relationship right here. Let's jump into the relationship between media communication and our personal relationships, right? And the relationship of like media and us <laughs> is obviously, yeah, well, like I said, complicated, right? It's like, just imagine like Romeo and Juliet, like imagine Romeo like sliding into, into like Juliet's DMs with like Shakespearean pickup lines. Hmm. Um, did my heart love till now? Oh. <laughs> um, that would be, that would be, maybe we should do that. Swipe, swipe left ear I saw there. <laughs> huh. I'm just winging this right now and I don't remember that much more to be honest, but maybe it would be something. We'll talk about this later. So anyways, we're talking about relationships and media, of course. Yeah, so we're heading down that path. And I mentioned like Romeo and Juliet for a reason in the beginning, um, because if, you, if you're taking like a, a bit of a historical approach perspective, and just follow me down the, the road memory memory lane like a quick flashback to when to when a poke was like something innocent like hey he poked you remember you remember at the beginning of facebook <laughs> poked you You're like oh let me poke you back it was like something in, innocent and and you were writing like ilu on like on, on a pager back then you remember pagers there was a there was like the crazy confession of oh my god he she they love me so much you all remember that, that rush you felt when you had had decode those pager messages and you had like a page and like where were uh, oh <laughs> or like that that high when then actually your crush actually poked you right back on Facebook oh that wasn't that awesome huh. yeah good old times right and just to because I, I had so much fun with the Romeo and Juliet example. Just imagine if, who are we picking? Cleopatra. Just imagine if Cleopatra ghosted Caesar on Facebook like after their boat trip down the Nile. <laughs> or if Napoleon, if Napoleon kept checking if Josephine read his love notes on Messenger, for example, right? He's, just imagine Napoleon like growing anxious with every passing second and she still didn't read it. Like, what the hell? The history's greatest romances. Yeah, with this modern tech twist, could be hilarious, could be really funny. And this leads me to actually something reasonable to say now, hopefully, which is there's a theory behind all, all that. Because you know the podcast, I always try to throw in some media theories when we talk about any topic. What's up, Snooze? Do you want to explain our our difficult relationship? Or are you just walking away from me right now? Yeah, you want to be on the podcast? Come say something. That's okay. Yeah, what do you want the people to know? That I feed you all the time, that you get just the best wet food, that we go out and walk all the time together. What do you want the people to know? How much you love me? Awesome. So Snooze loves me quite a lot. 
That's that's why she's not quiet right now, right, Snooze? Okay. So where were we? We were at the social present theory. That's the theory that explains this. So the social present theory explains the, the, the degree to which a medium, Facebook, for example, in this example, allows users to experience others as being like psychologically present. Now, some of you, if you're as old as I might remember the intense emotions that, that, that you felt when signing off on the, the MSN messenger back then, like with, or like ICQ maybe even, like with like TTYL, talk to you later, right? Or even like that anxiety when like a crush appeared online because you could see like when, when people logged into the messenger, like you can see they're on ICQ or on MSN or something, but then it didn't talk to you. Like, hey, I'm here. Why are you not talking to me? And so this social present theory gives insight into like why we felt that way. Okay, because this social presence now you're feeling each other's each other's presence is something very intense for us, and of course, media changed it because now with messengers, for example, Isaac QMSN, now obviously way more with like all your line WhatsApp and whatnot. But started back then, like social presence didn't need to be physical presence. Okay, so that's a it's a big big shift actually in in, in that regard, and the digital shift of course continued and it. You know, it, it led to us having that, that feeling of like everything is more immediate. Everything is more constant, like constant messaging, constant communication. It's everywhere, everywhere, all the time, all at once, <laughs> for example. If you would look at like the evolution of media and you give it a tagline, a media evolution tagline, it, it would be like faster. That's <laughs> the tagline. Oh, no, actually, the tagline would be even faster. <laughs> uh, re remember like, when you had to wait for like the dial-up internet to connect, like the, the modem, like warming up, connecting to the internet, no one in the house could use the telephone, and then you just chat for a few minutes. The contrast that with what's happening right now, the panic when, when those three dots appear like typing, and then they disappear, and then nothing happens. <laughs> like, I thought you were typing, like, why are you not saying anything? What? Ah, panic. What did I do wrong? Why didn't you understand my message? Why don't you talk to me? Crazy development, right? Crazy development. And there's also a theory for that. And it's the ambient awareness theory, okay? So this ambient awareness theory, as the name suggests, awareness of ambience, suggests that um, our like frequent, those lightweight interactions with others on social media, right, that give us like a constant ambient knowledge of their lives that means like we know like the basic stuff that's happening i mean no one's no one's sharing or not many people i guess share like really intense intense moments or happenings or developments on social media right away i would assume unless you're maybe like an influencer and so on but we have to do those those lightweight things that we share like i'm on holidays and i my my cat just had diarrhea snooze Come here. You can come if you if you like this. Usually you're sleeping when I record a podcast. What's happening? Now come. You want to say hi? You can come here. You're, now you're ignoring me, right? You're like, oh, I don't want to be on camera. I'm explaining the ambient theory right now, Snooze. The ambient awareness theory. Can you explain it? Oh, yeah? Better than me? Uh-huh. 
You want to be a professor? Oh, yeah? You think my students like you more than me? Do you think my students would like you more than me? Okay, for those watching the podcast, you can see Snooth right now here on, on, on the mic. You want to say something? You're on the mic right now, Snooth. Yeah, now you're quiet, no? <laughs> so, the ambient awareness theory, right? So, this theory suggests that those lightweight interactions that we have with people on social media, they give us like some ambient knowledge of their lives, yeah? You might not have talked to whatever Sarah from high school for 10 years, but you know that she's married, she's got a poodle, she's got like three kids and whatnot. Okay, so you know those, those things. You you know that I know Mike from back then went to Bali last summer, for example. Okay, so that's like background awareness. That's what we get from the enhanced social media use. Okay. All right. So, and that, that means that we think we know what's happening, even though we don't have real contact, right? That's like how, for example, lots of my contacts like my former classmates, they know that I'm in Thailand, but they obviously never talk to me or I don't talk to them and we don't know what's happening in each other's lives, but they know like, oh, yeah, Sasha in Thailand, you know, for example. And this leads now to the next point that I want to discuss, if my cat lets me. Uh, <laughs> it's how media now actually affects personal relationships. So very much related to this, this awareness theory, right? Before I start, though, I want to say something very serious. I want to have a moment of silence for those that are still stuck in like the Snapchat streak limbo. And I re remember when a hundred days felt like 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 an anniversary, for example, or when or like this emotional roller coaster, right? When when your streak disappeared because someone forgot to snap. Like, ah, oh, damn, I was so successful. Um, and that's not all, right? It's like emojis, the world of emojis, like. You gotta turn into like detectives, like decoding each emoji sent your way, right? Like if someone sends a wink after like a casual message, is it like just playful, funny, or is it actually suggestive? <clears throat> What's happening? And yeah, the fact that we think about messages like this has, of course, also some underlying theories. Okay, so those underlying theories would be, for example the social comparison theory. Like this theory suggests that like there's, or there's the belief that we determine our own social and personal worth based on how we stack up, compare against others. And so if you scroll through Instagram, for example, and then you see those photos of like couple trips to Paris, candlelight dinners, or like movie nights with like their partners and then you're like, it's a Friday night, you're on, on the sofa with your cat, just like me, and you're like, huh, not so glamorous. <laughs> like, what the hell am I doing wrong, right? So there's this social comparison theory that affects all of us when we're seeing what are others doing, right? And that, of course, influences the way, um, the way our relationship with ourselves, but also with others, um, is being evaluated. Yeah, we have another one. Um, let me add this one too, because I think it fits the media richness theory. Actually, also fits. Like it's a framework that suggests that um, communication channels that differ in their capacity to to reproduce information accurately. Okay, so if you have, for example, like a text argument, and then the text argument spirals because "okay" was like read as 
okay and not like okay. Yeah, that's because text doesn't convene tone, facial expressions, body language, and so on. Right? So text can be misunderstood, misconstrued, and then maybe it spirals into something that, sh that it doesn't need to be. And like if you talk face to face, the media richness, like you see everything. You have the tone, you have the body language, you have everything. In text, there's no media, no media richness. And so there's nothing. So that's why, of course, even like a face to FaceTime talk would be better to resolve those things than a text message. Having this said, I'm a hardcore introvert. I hate FaceTime calls. <laughs> But for communication purposes, it would make it much easier, of course. Okay. So that's something that, of course, influences the way our relationships work. That's why you might fight with your, with your boyfriend, girlfriend, and so on, uh, your partner a lot, just because you miscommunicate, maybe. Okay, that, that's why communication is really important, not just for professional life, but also for personal life. And that's why I talk about this on the podcast. Having that said, of course, professional relationships also <laughs> struggle, are, in, are influenced by media, right? In this media-saturated world, of course. Like, like email dramas, for example. Like if, if office email threads were like, Like reality TV, like soap operas are huge here in Thailand still, for example, right? So the reply all button would be like that, that soap operas like supervillain. <laughs> like, like, or who can forget like the accidental like video call where your colleagues like see your full view of your like, your I woke up like this look, right? I woke up like this. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I can see you woke up like this. <laughs> so there are lots of ways that media influences communication at the workplace. Or, or LinkedIn, for example, like the, the Facebook, the Instagram of the corporate world, the Twitter of the corporate world, the X of the corporate world. Yeah, so if you, if you, you probably did the same thing. You deep dived into like a colleague's profile before a meeting um, so that, that, that you can bring up something casual like, oh, yeah, your 2017 award for like best student speaker. <laughs> Very impressive. <laughs> things like this so we, we, we've all done it or if you go to, for a job interview of course we stalk the company and the person interviewing us before I mean, we've all done it and there are some underlying theories as well for example the technological determinism theory it's this theory suggests that technology technological development drives social and cultural change and so you see from from typewriters to to tweets posts our tools shape how we interact okay imagine you have to still send out physical resumes in this day and age for example okay so the tools we're using to create media shape the way we interact i'm gonna use online tools in just a second to give my cat up for adoption snooze shall i give you up for adoption yeah And who's going to feed you then? How are you going to get food? Where are you going to sleep? Yeah, right? So better think about it, how you treat me here, okay? So that's technological determinism. Technology influences society, culture, and so on. So we change the way we behave based on the technology that we have um, at our disposal we're sending shorter messages faster messages like we're swiping we're i know double clicking we're sending stickers and so on okay this also goes hand in hand with a second theory called context collapse and this occurs when people from different parts of one's life 
they can all interact with each other online. Leading to like a potential like social tension, maybe even like that moment when you post a, a wild weekend photo and your boss comments like, hey, it looks fun. But remember the project that's due on Monday, <laughs> yeah. two worlds colliding and can be fun. Maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's awkward. Right. So that's also something that we have to consider when we talk about how media influences work relationships, for example. Obviously, with all that said, there are lots of challenges when it comes to it, but also lots of rewards when it comes to media and its influence on relationships, right? And today we, we express love with like hard emojis, frustration with like face palm emojis, and, and maybe even flirt with like a wink or whatever. Uh, <laughs> or like caps lock comes into play and then you uh, wonder, are they really excited or are they, are they really mad or what did I do wrong and why are they yelling? My mom is yelling all the time, for example, right? So challenges and rewards. And here we have another two theories I want to quickly mention before I wrap things up and then throw my cat out onto the street. Um, one is the use and gratification theory. And we talked about this many times on this podcast already. So the use and gratification is like a perspective that looks at the ways consumers use media to satisfy various needs. Like is our Netflix binge a search for love, companionship, or just boredom busting, <laughs> right? So why are we doing it? What's the use and gratification here? Okay. And then the last one is the filter bubble. Talked about this also before. Like the filter bubble, you know, as you know, describes like how personalization on the internet can limit exposure to diverse viewpoints right? because you're stuck in your filter bubble. You just get to see what you interact with. Of course, you interact with stuff that you agree with more, so you get more of the same stuff. Like if you got ads for those those shoes you thought of buying last week, like then you see them more often, right? It's both creepy and cool at the same time. Same time. Same time. So uh, the internet echoes back our desires. Again, can be fun, can be weird. So to wrap this whole thing up, right? Brain teaser. If a tree falls in a forest and no one's around to snap, IG, tweet, TikTok it, does it make a sound? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so I miss our like super pixelated world of hearts, shares, retweet posts. It's time for like some introspection, I think. Like in a world so connected, are we really connecting is the question. And with this pretty deep thought at the end, actually, I'm gonna leave you here. I'm gonna wanna. I'm gonna wanna. I'm gonna wanna rhyme. Uh, would like to hear your opinion on this, of course. So shout out in the comments, on social media, email funkitpod at gmail.com, add funkitpod everywhere on social media, um, or leave just a review or answer the Spotify question down below. We're um, really, really curious about your thoughts on this. Am I too old? Does Gen Z think differently, for example? Let me know. I will now kill my cat, take one of her nine lives from her, and <laughs> or just cuddle her. And we'll talk soon. Until then, stay safe, take care, subscribe, like, share, all those things. We talk soon. Sawadee kap.